Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Vicki Blair Martin with Colwell Banker in Elko, Nevada. Last year, she closed 140 transactions with a total sales volume of $33 million. Her average sales price was $241,000, of which 30% were buyers and 70% were sellers. She has a five-member team, one buyer agent, one transaction manager, one listing manager, one runner, and one team leader. Vicki Blair Martin is the team leader of the Blair Martin team. She's been an agent for 25 years and works the Elko and Spring Creek markets. In this call, Vicki talks about starting part-time in real estate and making more money than her prior full-time job as a dental assistant, working in a small rural gold mining community that averages only 55 sales per month, how her production increased from 35 closings per year by herself to 140 closings with one buyer agent when she hired a coach at the Mike Ferry organization. In her best year, she personally closed 102 homes. Why she makes 40 calls per day for two and a half hours each morning. Who she calls and what she says. How she gets one listing appointment from every 32 contacts. Role plays and scripts for prospecting calls to your past clients and sphere of influence. Voicemail messages appointment setting, and seller qualification. The expectation that 10% of your past clients and sphere of influence will send you a transaction this year if you contact them by phone and mail four times per year. A description of the postcard she mails and why it works. Her huge 70% profit margin by running a prospecting-based practice. What is in her pre-listing package? Role-playing partners, mastermind calls, and the one-minute listing presentation. Script for canceling a listing appointment for the seller with a competing agent. Where to hire people with the best work ethic for your team. How you can help home builders and end up listing their new construction projects. Team dynamics, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Vicki. Thanks for having me today, Mike. I'm excited to share. Hey, Vicki, it's great to have you here. Before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, I was a stay-at-home mom, and before that, I was a dental assistant. So how long were you a dental assistant? I think I was a dental assistant for three years. Um, Prior to that, I worked at a grocery store in the bakery department as a cake decorator. Now, did you say you were a stay-at-home mom after the uh, dental assistant? Yeah, so I had a a two-year-old and was pregnant with my second child when I got my real estate license in 1991. And how long were you a stay-at-home mom before you got into real estate? Uh, Not very long. Like I said, I had a two-year-old and then I was pregnant with my second child. 
about seven months pregnant when I got my real estate license. So I just worked part-time in the beginning, meaning when my husband got home from work and then on the weekends, and I took what we called call forwarding and uh, did pretty well in the first year. Well, tell me about that first year. It sounds like you might have had a fast start. Well, it was kind of fun because, and we're talking many, many years ago, I was making about 16000 as a dental assistant working full-time. And I thought to myself, if I got my real estate license and I could make that in my first year working part-time, then this might be for me. And I exceeded that in the first year. I think I made 22000 And again, that was back in uh, 1991, 1992. Do you recall how many transactions you closed that first year? Well, I remember my average commission was probably at about $1,400. <laughs> sure. So we're probably talking just under 20 closings or so that first year, maybe 15, 20? That's about right. Yeah. That is a fast start. For the people listening who may be on the newer side, they probably are very curious. How did you do that? What were you doing that first year to get that quick start? Honestly, I was talking to everybody I knew. And at that time, my mother owned the company and she had purchased a Better Homes and Gardens franchise and had gone to one of their meetings and she came home and said, you have to go out and you have to knock on doors. And Better Homes and Gardens was giving out magazines at that time. Uh, to their offices. So they would come in the mail every month. So I would put my kids in a little red wagon and I would go door to door handing out Better Homes and Gardens magazines and introducing myself. Now you mentioned you were doing that in the evenings and the weekends. How many hours a week were you going out and knocking on doors? Oh, not that much. At that time, I was probably going out maybe four hours a week. And then I would take the call forwarding. So our office at the time had about seven agents because I'm from a very small town. We had about seven agents, and I would take the call forwarding, so the phones would get forwarded at night, so if anybody called on a listing, I would answer their calls and set appointments. Very good. So you were taking a a floor call. I was taking a floor call, and then I was also going to as many different meetings that I could to in the community, and uh, just letting everybody know that I had my real estate license. How long have you been in the business now? I started in 1991, and I'm here 25, almost 26 years in May. And so everybody understands where you're at. How many uh, transactions did you close last year? and What was your sales volume? So we closed, and when I say we, it was me and uh, my buyer's agent, 140 residential sales. And then with our land listings, we actually closed 200 transactions. So 140 houses or condos, townhomes, and then another 60 pieces of raw land? Correct. It's just you and one buyer agent? Correct. Of the 140 houses, how many of those did you personally sell? I sold 102. Wow. And then the land, the the 60 pieces of land, what percentage of that was yours, uh, you personally? So my buyer's agent... The only listings that she does take is raw land. She doesn't take residential listings. I list all the properties, and she works with all the buyers. So currently, I have a builder in the area that sells about 40 to 50 homes a year and purchases land. So she lists and solicits for land listings, and then when we list those, we see if our builder would like to purchase, and so he does a lot of the time. And so that's how we were able to do so many land transactions. 
That's extremely productive for an individual agent. You closed 102 residential properties last year. Uh, Now, I know you have some administrative assistance, and we're going to go into that, but it's just the two of you doing the sales production. That's pretty incredible. That's pretty impressive. Uh, How long have you and the uh, buyer agent been working together? So the buyer's agent actually is my sister, and we owned a real estate company for many years together in which my mentor, Mike Ferry, encouraged me to sell, and I did back, we did back in 2009. So um, way more productive, make way more money by selling myself than I did being a real estate broker. So with that being said, she, KP is her name, my buyer's agent, sister, um, decided to join my team about a year and a half ago. Well, that's really interesting in and of itself. So you did the brokerage side, but it wasn't as profitable as running an individual practice. Is that what I'm hearing? Correct. How long did it take you to figure that out? How long did you run the company? So my mom started the company back in 1980. My sister and I went to work for her in 1991. And then she groomed us for about 10 years and retired to the beach in Florida until 2001. And then we took it from 2001 to 2009, and we actually grew the business quite a bit. And it was very profitable. It just wasn't as profitable for me having partners as it would have been maybe on my own. So um, my mentor, Mike Ferry, had coached me and encouraged me to sell the business and just, you know, go out on my own. So we sold the business to the biggest competitor. So when I say on my own, I just mean selling for him. And he acquired our agents. So now the company does half the market share in town. But you got to remember, we're a very, very small town. There's only about, our population is 35,000 people, and there's nothing for hundreds of miles that surround us. Our closest big city is Salt Lake City, and that's 220 miles away. There's only 55 homes that close per month on average. So Got to know that with that inventory, that's not a lot, considering most markets are huge. I have to do a bit of number crunching there, but it, it sounds to me like you have about 660 closings in the whole community per year, and that you just closed 140 of those, about 25% of the market share. Does that sound about right? Well, it's really not, because every transaction has two sides. Okay. Very good. That's a good point. So when you look at it that way, I think we were at about 15% market share. The brokerage, how big did it get? How many agents were working for you when you were at your peak? At our peak, we were close to 20. I want to say 18 to 20. And then by merging with the other company and then doing your own business, it's more profitable for you. I just want to give people a little bit of scale there. Thank you so much for going into that. Now, you mentioned uh, where you're at, and where you're at, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, is Elko, Nevada. Is that correct? Yes, I'm in Elko, Nevada. Describe to us the community you started. Tell us what it was. It sounds like it's kind of a rural community. It's out by itself. It's a little isolated. It is. So our town thrives on gold. We have two of the world's largest gold producers here in the area. So we're a mining town. And so the price of gold has been high for many years now. So it's been a very, very good market here for us. We've been very fortunate. Do you ever get into selling gold mines or gold claims? 
no, it's not quite that easy. <laughs> I wish. Do you deal with mineral rights or anything like that when you're selling these properties? Okay, that's already been cut off long ago. Most all the properties do not include mineral rights when we're selling residential. So are you getting kind of a land rush then, a gold rush of people coming in to do the mining? Not so much anymore. We did see quite a big rush, um, 2000. We, our markets fluctuated quite a bit. So let me back up because everybody says, wow, gold prices have been up since 2004. You didn't get hit in the market times in 2008, 9, and 10 like the rest of us. But what happened was back in the late 90s when I was selling real estate, me 1996 to 2004, the price of gold tanked. And we went to about 240, 250 an ounce. And what happened was our real estate market completely dried up and we had mostly short sales and foreclosures. So it was a very challenging time. And while everybody else in the country was booming and doing fantastic, we were really struggling. So when the gold price started to go up in 2004 and 5, we just went boom and started to sell like hotcakes crazy. We had never experienced anything quite like it. Well, then the recession hit, 2007-8 started to come around. And the way that it affected us, we had people coming in because the gold price kept going up with the economy getting so bad everywhere else, gold went up. And when that happened, people were trying to come into work here because the mines were hiring, but they had houses in other areas to sell. So we couldn't really sell a whole lot of houses because the buyers didn't have any money or they were tied up in a foreclosure somewhere else. So it did affect us, but not as badly as most of the rest of the country did. That really shows that real estate is a local phenomenon. You were going up while everybody else was going down and vice versa. Correct. How is your real estate market right now? I would say it's a very steady market. This is my favorite kind of market to sell in. It's not super hot. Although, if you list a house and it's priced correctly, it sells within the first couple of weeks. And if you don't, it sits there. Why would it sit there? What would be the problem? Well, the reason that a home doesn't sell is either price or condition. But most of all, we know it's always about the price. What type of home are you typically selling? Are you usually selling a property that is in a residential neighborhood where it's all subdivided out? Are you selling land or ranches? What kind of properties are you selling? Well, that's a great question. So in the city of Elko, there's a population of about 21,000 and that's residential. So city lots, you know, anywhere on the average of 8,500, 10,000 square foot lot. And then we have another area called Spring Creek, which is more like country living. And it's about eight to 10 miles outside of Elko City. And with that, everybody has at least an acre or more. So you can do either the Spring Creek area country, or you can live in what we call the city of Elko. What's your uh, average price there? So the average sales price in Elko City is 242000 And in the Spring Creek area, 232000 You said that the market is nice and steady. So for you, what's your average days on the market? It has changed quite a bit because we do have a dilemma in Elko. We only have three appraisers. So with that being said, in a busy market, that's not a lot of people to help appraise houses. So our appraisals sometimes take five weeks to get completed, which slows down our market and our days on market time. So in the Elko market right now, from list 
um, to sale is 146 days, and in Spring Creek, it's 153 days. Sounds like it'd be a great opportunity for an appraiser who wants to move to Elko. Exactly. Looks like they're getting maybe 20-some uh, appraisals a month. That's not bad. Not a bad little business. Okay, so uh, let's do this. Let's talk about how you're generating your business. My understanding, you've mentioned uh, Mike Ferry a couple of times, and my understanding is you're doing a lot of prospecting. You're making maybe 40 calls a day. Could you tell us more about your prospecting efforts? Yes, thanks for asking. So one of the things I learned from my mentor, Mike Ferry, was that if you call your past clients and center of influence every three months, and mail them, 10% will give you business. So when I learned that and joined Mike Ferry back in 2001, I decided that I would create a system that I would call every three months and mail, which I do. And that's the reason why I'm able to sell so many houses in this little tiny community. When you mail, how often do you mail? Every three months. I get a postcard. Okay, so uh, you're on a cycle, and that would be eight contacts a year. You're making a phone call four times a year, and you're, make, you're sending out a mail piece four times a year. Yes. What I send out is a postcard, a pre-printed postcard. So when I speak to them on the phone, they're all pre-printed, so I just address them when I'm speaking to the uh, client. And I'm usually bringing them something of value. So interest rates, um, perhaps new construction, um, could be any little tidbit, just talking about pockets, houses that sold in their neighborhood. So I'm always trying to bring something of value when I make those calls. So I address the postcard, I make the phone call, and then they go into a three-by-five card box. And then in three months, I pull all of those boxes out and make those calls again. So your system is manual. You don't have it in a computer database. You have it in a three-by-five card system that you're rotating through every 90 days. I have it in both, of course. I have it backed up on three different computers. And then I have a three-by-five card system. And the reason I use that is because I'm a very visual person. And sometimes if Susie Brown tells me that her daughter, Mary, just had a baby named Jacob, when I call her in three months, I can say, how is Mary's baby Jacob doing? So I'll make little notes, and then it just goes right into my card file. So it's easier for me to just jot that down than keep into a computer spreadsheet. Just so people understand your database setup, you have these three-by-five cards. You're keeping the notes. You just talked about Mary's baby Jacob. You would write that down on the card. Do you or somebody on your team then take that information and plug it into a computer system? Or is the computer system just tracking the most basic information, such as the name of the person, their address, phone number? What information is in the computer database versus what information is on the cards? Yeah, so everything uh, that's on the card is in the computer. So um, it's the name, address, phone number, the day I started calling them. So a lot of them are back from 2001. And then that day that I speak to them and who I spoke to, was it the husband or was it the wife? If I have two numbers, then I'll call them both at different times. Um, I might call one of them this time and then in three months talk to the husband. So I'll rotate them if I have different numbers. And then their email is on there. And again, I want to get that visualization of what you're doing. So how many calls do you make each day? 
So my goal is a minimum of 35 and I shoot for 40. So a lot of it depends on what I have. So for instance, aside from calling past clients COI, which I have 1,200 in my database, um, you know, adding to it, taking away. So I consistently hang right about 1,200 people that get a call and a postcard every three months. And then I also call for sell by owners and expired. So it depends. Like this morning, I only had two expireds and zero for sell by owners. 37 is what I did today. So typically, if I've got a lot of appointments for that day, I'll try to get my 40 in. If there's no for sell by owners or expireds, then I'll just call past clients, centers of influence. When you say 35 to 40 calls, are those 35 to 40 dials or contacts where you're actually speaking with someone? So if it's a past client or a center of influence, then that could be a message included in those numbers. Unless it's a for sale by owner and expired, I never leave voicemails and I never count those unless I've spoken to them. Let's kind of break some of that out. I assume you made some phone calls today. Is that correct? Yes. By the way, how long does it take to make 35 to 40 calls? So it depends, again, on how many for sale by owners and expireds I get because they take a little bit longer. Um, if I call 35 past clients, that's usually two and a half hours. So on average, two and a half to three hours is how much time I spend prospecting in the morning. And is there a certain time of the day you like to call? You mentioned the morning? Yes. Yeah, so I'll start my calls no later than nine o'clock. So basically, your mornings are for prospecting. So 9 to 11, 9 to 11.30, you're making phone calls. And in the afternoon, you're taking care of other business. But you've gotten your primary work done right there in the morning as soon as you got in. Yeah. So my day actually starts, my work day starts before then because I do role plays with other agents. I have mastermind groups. And then a lot of times I'll prep any listing appointments that I'm going on later that day. I'll send that information over to my assistant. So, you know, there's more work before 9 o'clock for sure. My day starts way early. Could you describe what the postcard is that you picked up? I, I want to get this idea in, the, in my head. You don't just mass send out all these postcards. You take one postcard at a time, you address it as you're making the call, you stamp it, and it's going to go out today. So each day you're sending out 35 to 40 postcards, correct? Correct. So the postcard at the top in big, bold red letters says, thank you. The greatest compliment you could ever pay me is a referral. Just to note to remind you that I'm still in the real estate business, call me immediately if you know of anyone who's thinking of buying or selling. And I've been sending this out since 2001, and I haven't really changed it a whole lot because the consistency of the phone call and the mail, I think, is super important. You mentioned before that you try to send something of value. So on the opposite side, is it mentioning interest rates? said before, new construction, solds in their neighborhood. Is it always the exact same postcard or is there something different on one of the sides? Always the exact same postcard, but the topic can be different. Give me an example. I don't think I quite understand. So you just mentioned to us the headline, asking for the referral, and then how is it different? What part is different? Would you like me to role play with you? Always. Yes, please. That'd be fantastic. Hi, Mike. Vicki Blair Martin, your realtor here. I just wanted to check in and give you a quick update and let you know that the real estate market in your neighborhood is moving very quickly. We have lots of buyers and not enough houses to sell. If you have any questions that I could answer for you, or if you know of anybody in your family, work, 
or neighborhood that needs my services, please call me immediately. Thanks so much, Mike, and have a great day. So that would be a message that I would leave. So there might be something like interest rates bumping up four and a quarter. This is a great time to buy. It's a great time to sell. It could be, you know, we have a new construction project. It could be we have three buyers looking for homes in your neighborhood. It could be anything that I want to tag on because the market's so tiny. I know the areas. I know the inventory. I know what's needed. I know what's selling. I know my numbers. That's critical. Let's do a role play where you get a hold of them, the, the homeowner, and you be the caller. And let's just walk through what would happen there uh, so people can get an idea. Ring, ring, ring. Hello. Hi, Mike. Uh, yes, this is Mike. Mike, it's Vicki, your realtor. How are you today? Oh, Vicki, good to hear your voice. Well, thank you for that. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I just wanted to check in with you and Debbie today, just see if you had any questions about the super busy real estate market that I can help you with. No, but it sure does look like it's moving. It is moving. And, you know, we actually are working with two buyers currently looking for homes in your neighborhood. And I was wondering, do you know anybody up there that might need to sell their home today? Yeah. Well, we're not thinking about moving. I'm, You know, uh, the Johnsons down the street were mentioning they were thinking about moving. And I just don't have a lot of details, but I think I'll have to ask Debbie about that. But I think they said they were moving. Okay, great. So the Johnsons are moving. Do you mind if I give them a call? I'm sure they would like to talk to you. I know they need some help. Okay. And do you or Debbie happen to have their number? Hold on just a minute. Debbie! Yeah, here's their number. 555-5555. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Now, while I've got you on the phone and I will be giving them a call, is there anybody else you can think of that might be moving? Buying, selling, work, church? Um, yeah, I, I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head, but if I do, I'll let you know. Okay, great. Now, how about you and Debbie, Mike? Are you thinking about making a move or buying an investment property? Wow. Uh, well, you know, we did kind of talk about investment uh, or maybe six months ago, and then we kind of put it on hold. We're, we're kind of waiting to see about the tax refund. Okay, the tax refund. And you know what the other thing, Mike, have you guys thought about the cheap interest rates that we still have? Yeah. Are they still low? Yeah, they're hanging right at about four and a quarter right now, which you and I both know that that is super cheap money. I mean, my first house was 11%. So, you know, when you look at it that way at four and a quarter, it's an excellent time. But if those rates start to go up, you might miss that opportunity. Yeah. You know, maybe we should talk to you about that. We were thinking about just starting with a little small place. Uh, do you do a lot of rentals? Uh, well, you know, I don't handle rentals. However, I do sell lots of them. So why don't we do this? Why don't we set up a time? You guys can come in. We'll talk about what your needs are, uh, what your financing options would be, and then we can kind of go from there. Would that work for you? Uh, yeah, that, that works for me. Okay, well, let's go ahead and set a time. I'm open tomorrow at 2, or I could come tomorrow at 4.30. Do either one of those times work for you and Debbie? Uh, let me look. I think, yeah, I think 4.30 would work good. 4.30. Fantastic. And now is this the best number to reach you on? It is. Yep. Okay. Tomorrow at 4.30. And then do you have my number, Mike? 
Uh, uh, yeah, didn't you just send us a postcard or something? I got something around I here. I sure did, but if you grab a pencil, I'm going to give that to you in case anything oh, changes. Okay, let me write that down. Go ahead. 555-1212. Awesome. Well, great. And you know where my office is, so I'll see you tomorrow at 430. That sounds good. And then, Mike, if you do hear of anybody else that's buying or selling, would you give me a call? Sure will. Thank you so much for your time today, and I'm looking forward to working with you again. <laughs> Very good. We'll see you tomorrow. All right. Bye-bye. So how often does that happen when you're making the calls? How often do you run into a lead like that? I would say probably once or twice a month. However, because I've been calling my database for so long, I get lots of come list me. So lots of people. So a lot of times when I'm prospecting, or I'm finished, I'll check my email, my assistant sends me a note, Mary and John Smith want to list their home. So I get a lot of business coming into me because of my prospecting. Or somebody that I spoke to a month ago, now their son John wants to buy a house, so they, they're constantly contacting me. So I get a lot of leads and a lot of referrals that way. So you're trying to stay in front of them, you're leaving messages as well. Do people call back off your voicemails often? When they're ready to sell or buy, they do. <laughs> and when you're making those calls, those 35 to 40 calls, how often are you talking to people versus leaving a message? Um, I would say out of 40 calls, I'll probably talk to 15. So just a, a little bit less than half, probably around 40% or yes. so. Yes. That's actually pretty good. That's pretty good. So you've got a pretty good database of phone numbers. Are you typically calling landlines now or cell phones? Both. So if it's a past client and I have their cell phone, I always try to get a cell phone because so many people are doing away with their landlines. So it just depends on what I have. If I have a cell number, I'm calling it first. Do you ever send text messages to those cell phones or is it always a call and a voicemail? It's always a call and a voicemail. The younger generation, though, I will say, like, um, if we've sold somebody a house and they're in their 20s, a lot of those kids like text messages. So if I don't get them on the phone, because a lot of them don't answer, I will shoot them a text and say, hey, just checking in if you need anything, blah, blah, blah. And they're always respond back, you know, how the kids are nowadays. Oh, sure, Vicki. We'll keep you in mind. Or we always refer you or whatever. Do you ever get resistance when you're making these calls where people don't want to talk about real estate or they've heard your dialogue before and it's bothering them? Yeah, but what I've learned is a lot of people, if... They'll pick up the phone. This is funny. A lot of people will pick up the call and say, hello, Vicki, we don't know anybody today. <laughs> In other words, like, quit being a pain. But at the same time, they picked up the phone and they didn't have to. And so I always respect their time and say, well, thank you so much for taking my call today. And if you need anything, will you call me? And well, yes, we will. And if you hear of anybody moving, will you call me? Yes, we will. And they do. Sometimes people will just call me and say, hey, I heard down the street that Mary Lou Bickbick is going to be selling her home. I don't have the details, but I just wanted to let you know. And they're, they're so excited. And so am I. <laughs> That's great. So your calls aren't typically calling for a different purpose, and then they fall into real estate. Your calls are directly on target about real estate. Yes, they are. Now, but that being said, if it's somebody like I have clients because I've been doing this for so long, if I have a client that I've sold three or four houses to, I'm going to tag on a little more personal conversation to that. Maybe ask them a little bit about their house or 
the particulars you know about them, like their baby that just happened or, or they were expecting, things like that? Oh, yeah. If the opportunity presents itself, I'm always going to have a chat conversation. But for the most part, if they're really busy and a lot of people are and they don't want to chat, I'm not going to keep them on the phone. But if they start chatting with me, you bet I'm going to chat back. Sometimes I have to cut them off. <laughs> right. How long are your conversations typically? What's the average time of one of these calls? I would say about 60, 60 seconds. Oh, wow. They're really quick. So if they don't have anything to talk about on realistic, how do you get off the phone real quick? What do you say? I'll say to them, okay, well, you know, I'm checking in. If you hear of anybody that needs my help buying or selling, will you call me? Well, yes, we'll call you. You have my number? Yes, we have your number. Sometimes they'll say, no, give it to me again. And you're sending out the postcards to them to stay in front of them. Is there anything else that you're trying to get in front of them, a magnet on their refrigerator yeah. or any other way to get your phone number in front of them? Yep. They have my magnet. They have my refrigerator magnet calendar year at a glance. And I send those out every, I start mailing those in November and I'll replace my postcard with a magnet and I'll update their address and make sure that everything's correct. So that gets mailed out once a year, the refrigerator magnet. You're sending out postcards four times a year with the call. Anything else you're doing to stay in front of these folks? So it's a very small community. So I go to a lot of community functions which is super important. And, you know, I see people in the grocery store. I see people at the movie theater. I see people around town. So that's the advantage of a small town. But remember, when you're in a small town, you're always working. So there's no going to, there's no going anywhere wearing sweats and a ponytail. You better be on your game wherever you go because you're working whenever you're out and about. And when you're making these conversations, when you're out and about, is it always about real estate or is it more topical about what you're doing at that time, either in the grocery store, at the theater, whatever it is? Well, it's just a regular conversation. And then a lot of times they'll ask me questions. If they ask me questions about real estate, then I'll always ask them questions back. Who do you know? You know, they'll say, how is the market, Vicki? And I'll say, fantastic. Are you thinking about making a move? Oh, no, we love our house, blah, blah, blah. Great. Well, do you know anybody else moving? Because I'm looking for some more listings. I've got lots of buyers right now and not enough houses to sell. And then they'll laugh. But most people that have known me for a long time, they just giggle at me because it's just what I do. I talk about real estate. If they bring it up, I'm talking about it. It's become you, you and the real estate and the career, they're the same. You said you can't go out and about without thinking about the fact that you're out there representing your career, your, your real estate career. That's right. Now, you also mentioned that you had this concept that you early on, you got a concept from Mike that Mike Ferry, that if you had a group of people in your database and you would contact them once every three months, four times a year with mail and a call, that you would get about 10% of the business out of that each year. And it appears that that's about right. You said you had a 1,200 person database and you closed 140 transactions, which would be a bit over 10%. And my understanding is about 90% of your business is coming from repeating referrals from past clients and sphere of influence. I would say it, it definitely is. I think last year I did close to 10 for sell by owners and four expired. So I didn't do a whole bunch of those. And I'm trying to really implement and add that into my schedule. So it just depends. And I get a little sloppy sometimes. So when I get super busy, like this is our really busy season, 
right now. Um, when we start to get super busy, then I'm not as good as staying on top of those. So I'm trying to do a better job and improve this year on capturing more of that market, the expires and for sale by owners. Let's come back to that. Let's stay on these past clients and sphere of influence for a second, these centers of influence. Can you tell us, is there anything else that if somebody wants to jump in and really develop their repeat and referral business, what should they be doing? Is there anything else that we haven't talked about or anything, any tips that you could give for somebody who wants to dive in and get really good at their repeat and referrals? Yeah. So number one, create your list. Number two, set a time each day to call them and make a plan. If you've got a hundred people on your list, make a plan to call them every three months. Or if they're giving you a lot more referrals, you can speak to them more often than every three months. But make a plan, make a schedule for the morning to make those calls and follow a system. I mean, if, if a, a spreadsheet works better for you, then use it. Um, I like the three by five card system because I've just been using it from the very beginning and it's, it's very visual for me. So at the beginning of the month, I just pull out the boxes, three boxes for the month, each month. I work off at 12 boxes total. Does that make sense? It does. So you have 12 boxes and you're rotating through them? Yeah. So I just label each box for that month. So we're in the month of February. So all of the people that I call in February, that box gets labeled for three months from now to May. So then I just pull out my May boxes and then I just start calling. So it's really simple for me because I've been doing it for so long and I I really like making those notes on the three by five cards where if I'm at a computer, I may not do that. You mentioned that if you talk to them or even if you get a voicemail, either way, that's an accomplishment and they go into the next box three months later. Yeah. The Mike Ferry system teaches us that on past clients and center of influence that you can leave a message and that's considered a contact. Anything else just listed, just sold for sale by owners expired are not, or just general cold calling is not a contact. Right. So it makes sense because you're tracking all those numbers. Yeah. Do you know your conversion numbers when you're making all these calls? Do you have percentages? Have you figured that all out? Yeah. So what's really cool about the Mike Ferry system is that we have what we call a numbers analyzer. So for me, I know that for every 32 people I speak to, I get a listing appointment. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Wow. That's almost every day. No, I guess it's not because you're only speaking to, what, uh, 15 a day? So it's like every two and a half days? Well, no, because those numbers, those numbers are in there. But yes, that would be, yes. Yeah, because it depends on my schedule for the week and what I've got set. So I set up because I have a business coach. I've been in the Mike Ferry system since 2001. And so I have a business coach and we speak every Tuesday morning at 8.30 and we set the goal for the month. The goal for, the, for every month for me is 12 listings taken and um, a minimum of 10 sales. And that would be just for me. And then my buyer's agent sets her goals for the month as well. Uh, and now is your buyer agent also making telephone calls each day? No, all of the leads are generated um, basically off of the prospecting and then just the yard signs and, you know, business that we've 
done for years. Your bioregion is your sister. So your sister is not making the prospecting calls, but she's helping you complete the business, helping you fulfill the business, helping people find those homes, as you mentioned, or list that land. Yes. I do all the listing, basically, and she does all of the buyer sales. So that's how our team runs. And so with that being said, so any lead that comes to my team, which is me and her, then she converts those buyers into sales and I convert all the listing leads into listings. So that's our roles. Everybody on my team has a specific role. You also mentioned that as far as the phone calls, this phone prospecting, you do role playing. Do you do role playing every morning? Um, Three mornings a week. Did you say that you're contacting someone outside of your office to do that? Yeah. So I know real estate agents all over the country through the Mike Ferry system. So I do role-playing with those agents, and then I usually change those partners every six months. Ah, keep it fresh. Yep. How many role-playing partners do you currently have? Right now I have three. So you do one a day each week. So each role-playing partner you'll speak to once a week. Yes. How long is the role-playing, and what do you do during that time? Anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes. Depends on the partner and what we're working on. And we work on the Mike Ferry for sell by owner scripts, expired scripts, just listed, just sold, past client, center of influence scripts, any of those things. Do you also work on presentation scripts, uh, listing presentation or buyer presentation? Yes, we do the listing presentation. We do the pre-qualification script, which is super important. They're all important. Um, Yeah, so we work on all of the scripts. Sometimes we'll do objection handlers. It just depends on what we're all working on that day. And we change it up. You just mentioned these pre-qualification questions. So if you get on the phone and you talk to someone and it turns out that they want to sell their home, do you go directly into the pre-qualification script? You're darn right I do. (laughs) Would you mind role-playing with us, the pre-qualification script, real quickly? I don't mind at all. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do that. So you and I were talking earlier, and let's just say we've gotten all through the preliminaries, and I say I'm interested in selling my house. Fantastic, Mike. Well, I'm excited to be coming over and selling your house. Before I do come out, there's just a few questions that I need to ask you. Is that okay? Oh, sure. So, Mike, if what I say makes sense and you feel comfortable and confident that I can sell your home, are you planning to list your home with me when I come out tomorrow at 4? Yeah, I think so. Fantastic. And Mike, are you planning on interviewing more than one agent for the job of selling your home? You know, people kept telling us we should, and, uh, and, and I'm not sure if we are or not. Not sure. Okay. And now tell me again, where are you moving to? Yeah, I'm going to be uh, moving up to uh, Boulder City. Boulder City. Now, how soon do you want to be in Boulder City? Uh, I want to be there, well, we need to be there in about four months. I got a new job starting up there. A new job, four months. Great. Now, when I see you tomorrow at four, how much do you want to list your home for? Um, You know, I I, I don't know. That's why I'm, I'm calling you out. You're not sure. So, Mike, as a professional real estate agent, I study homes and prices every day. Therefore, I assume you're going to list with me at a price that would cause your home to sell, correct? Oh, yeah. We need to get it sold. Great. So how much do you owe on your home? Yeah, I think we owe about 110 on the first. 
Okay, 110. And have you ever thought about selling it yourself? Uh, I don't think I'd be able to do that. Okay. And will you help finance the home for the buyer, or do you want your cash out? I kind of need the cash out so we can get a new place in Boulder City. Cash out. Fantastic. Now, would you please describe your home for me? Oh, sure. Sure. So uh, it's a one-level ranch-style home. We've got three bedrooms and two baths. Uh, I've got I got two-car garage, and uh, and we've got a really nice backyard. Okay, great. One-level home, ranch style, three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage, and a lovely back home. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. So, Mike, do you have any questions before I arrive? Um, yeah. How long do you think it's going to take for us to sell this home? You know, once we take a look at it, if it's priced correctly and in great condition, we should have you sold within the next two weeks to 30 days max. Ooh, wow, that sounds really fast. It does sound fast, but it will take us about 45 to 60 days to get it closed. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't want to sell too fast and, and not have a place to live until we move. Uh, how do I work that part out? You know, I am so excited you brought that up, and that's going to be one of the first things we discuss when I get there. We'll make together a complete action plan to show you how we're going to make this as smooth a transaction as you've ever had. Fair enough? Oh, that sounds good. Great. Now, Mike, will um, you and Debbie both be there tomorrow when I arrive? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Great. Now, I'm going to have my assistant drop off a packet of information. Will you be there to receive it, or is there some place we can put it in a door, storm door? Yeah, I'm not sure if we'd be here, but you can always put it in inside the screen door. Okay, we'll make sure that Mindy puts that inside the screen door. And I am so excited to meet you tomorrow. Oh, great. Great. All right, 4 o'clock it is. We'll see you then. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Nice job. So you brought something up I got to ask about. What's in this pre-listing package? Oh, my goodness. So the pre-listing package has the comparable. It has the, um, let's see, it has the, all of the listing contract. And I put initial here, sign here, everywhere on the contract it needs to be. has all the disclosures. It has my complete action plan. Um, what else do we have in there? A cover letter. And uh, basically, that's it. And when I get there, if it's a past client, a lot of times all that information is filled out. So I just go over the um, quick Mike Ferry one-minute listing presentation. Thanks for having me over. I'm so excited about getting your home on the market and getting it sold. Can I take a quick look around? I look at the home. I come back to the table. I ask them three really important questions. Do you absolutely have to sell your home? Will you price your home to sell? And do you want me to handle the sale? So I ask those questions, and when they say yes, yes, and yes, I go right into the numbers. We list it. They slide the disclosures over, all signed, and I'm out of there. <laughs> How long does that typically take? So a listing presentation with a past client or center of influence usually takes about 30 minutes to get the contract signed, and I'm out the door. And if it's somebody you haven't met before, how long does that typically take? Because I'll go through everything. 
that might take me a little bit longer, maybe 40 minutes, an extra 10, 15 minutes. Wow, that's quick. Yeah, then my assistant comes back and takes photos the next day, puts the sign out, lockbox, and all of that. So I'm pretty efficient that way. It sounds like that pre-listing package is basically everything that you would present at the listing appointment. Yeah, so I always bring another one with me in case they didn't get a chance to go over it. But if you have a very analytical client, they usually will have read through everything. And that way, if there's any questions, I can answer them right then that they've written down. Did you have a net sheet that you put in there, an estimate of what they're going to walk out of closing with? Okay. So they're seeing all the numbers, including your commission rate. So um, on the listing presentation, I go over all of that. When we discuss the numbers, I usually fill the net sheet out right at the table so they can see exactly where they're going to be. And I'll explain based on what type of property they have. Because if it's a lower end, I'll talk to them about, you know, possibly paying buyer's closing costs, if it's a no money down loan. So there's some different things that I go over depending on the property and the price range. But yes, they always have that. And I always get one of those signs. Now, I don't want to know your commission rate. I was just curious. You always have the commission rate listed when you send it over in the pre-listing package. It's already in there in the contract and other documents. So they're not surprised. They know what's coming. It's not something you're going to reveal at the last minute. It's already there. And you're just saying, this is what I do. Correct. And your action plan, that's your marketing plan? Yes. And how detailed is that? Is it one page? Is it 50 pages? It's one page. And here's the fun thing for all the listeners. They can go to MikeFerry.com and they can pull up all of the Mike Ferry scripts for free. The pre-listing package information. They can have the pre-qual script. Everything is free online, MikeFerry.com. And this is nothing that they have to invent. It's all there for you for free. (laughs) It's absolutely true. It is there. Very good. If I understand, I'm trying to remember, but I think the majority of your business is on the listing side, maybe 70, 75%. Yes. And it sounded like from your questions when you're calling, you're, you're looking for listings, you're looking for sellers. You'll talk about buyers as well, but that's kind of your primary push. Is that correct? Yes. So I learned from Mike Ferry that he who has all the listings wins the game. And so listings are where it's at because then you become the employer. When you work with buyers, you're the employee. Because when you're negotiating another listing for a buyer, you're at the mercy of what the seller is going to do and what the agent's going to do and timing. And if you're competing, do you know what I mean? Uh, yes. How often when you go out on a listing appointment, are you in competition? Well, I was in competition on the last one that I took, actually. And how'd that go? And that was with somebody in office. Went fantastic because when you drop off a pre-listing package and you follow scripts and you know your numbers like I do, you win almost every single time. The only time I don't win is if somebody wants me to give them a price that isn't realistic and I won't take the listing. So you will walk away? Oh, yes. Yes. I don't go on a listing, though, unless there's high motivation. So number one, as an agent, you got to make sure that you've pre-qualified every question you know, on the Mike Ferry script. So what would be a, an item that would pop up and you'd say, I really don't want to go out there? What would be an example where you don't think someone's actually motivated? Well, we don't have to sell. We just wanted to test the market to see what we could get for our house. When you're in competition with another agent for a listing, do you have a preference whether you're the first agent in or the last agent in? 
it doesn't matter to me as long as they give me the opportunity. So that's what I stress the most is, will you promise me that you'll at least give me the opportunity to meet with you? They say yes. So, yeah. I mean, I really stress that. If you're the first agent in, do you go to get the signature that day and try to uh, preempt them from meeting with the other agent? I always try to get the signature when I'm at the table. I don't want to have to go back. And here's what I'll say is I can call the other agent and let them know that you've listed with me and they can have the first opportunity to show it to any of their buyers. Because sometimes they'll say, I've got a buyer. List with me. I've got a buyer isn't always the case. They just say that to get in the door. And I'll say, look, I'm going to give them the first opportunity. And then when I share with the seller how many um, transactions that KP and I do and how many buyers we work with, they're super excited to list with me because that's what a seller wants is an aggressive agent that actually has buyers coming in off of other signs. It makes sense. Let's ask that a little bit about your history. You said that you've been working with Mike Ferry since 2001. Were you closing uh, 140 transactions in 2001? Heck no. So I was still doing pretty good for an agent that had never been in coaching or had been trained. So I was closing about 35 deals a year. And of course, I was in the business 10 years at that time. So... um that's where I was. And then I joined Mike and that next year I went from 35, I want to say to 47 to 55 to 66 to 73. And then we had that boom in the market. I told you in 05 and six. And I think I, I went to 110 with land. So it got pretty busy. And then I started coaching for Mike Ferry at that time. And then I was still doing some come list me. So I still, still did quite a, did a business, and then I went back into full-time sales after a couple of years. You did all this growth. Along the way that you were growing, did you have to bring in some staff to help you? I didn't have a full-time assistant until 2008. So I used to work about 70-hour weeks, 75-hour weeks, which was not very bright. But I was putting kids through college, and um, I thought that I had to... Um, do a lot of the assistance work and work those hours because I couldn't afford a, an assistant. And my average commission isn't as high as it is in a lot of places in the country, or it wasn't at that time. So um, it wasn't until probably 2009 that I brought on my first full-time assistant, but I always had an assistant since, I would say, 1999. I had a part-time. What kind of crazy hours are you talking about back there in 2008 when you just had the part-time assistant? What kind of hours were you putting in? I was doing a lot of 12-hour days, uh, 14 hours sometimes. I quite frankly don't know how I did it, but I did it. I did what I had to do because I wanted to make sure my kids could go to college, and it drove me you know, to make sure they had everything they needed. How about today? What kind of hours are you putting in? I don't work usually more than 40-hour weeks. So but when I say that, I start my mornings. I get up at 5. I have a routine that I do every morning when I get up. Um, and so, you know, my mornings, like um, Monday mornings, I start at 7 o'clock because I have two mastermind calls that I'm on. So those go from 7 to 8. And then I'll check messages, return phone calls if any come in, and prep listings. And then I'm on the phone usually role-playing. And then start my prospecting at 9. So my routine is my routine. Monday through Friday, and that's what I do in the mornings. And then when you have a schedule like that, the afternoons and the business takes care of itself. These mastermind calls, you said you're on two of them. What's happening in these calls? 
Well, for instance, this morning I had a great call with Mike Ferry, and um, I think there on the first call there was about 75 people, and he goes over. It's called Mondays with Mike, and he just gives us a topic to discuss and we talk about. And um, then the second call was another group call with Mike Ferry. He has what they call a thinking big group. He has three of those with top producers um, and helps us to make sure that we're not complacent because when you sell 100 or 200 homes a year, it's easy to get complacent and comfortable. So he's constantly shaking us and putting us back into reality to go, what can you do now? And so it's uh, it's, um, they're intense phone calls, super good information. We talked about characteristics of um, a superstar this morning and, you know, what that looks like and what we do. Do you recall some of those characteristics? Okay, so here's what he called high emotional intelligence. And this was an article that he read that he wanted to share with the group. Um, these are the behaviors of people with high emotional intelligence. Number one was they're very genuine in how they behave. They're likable. They're not fake people. People trust them. Number two, they ask thoughtful questions of other people to make those people feel important. Number three, likable people know who they are. They're confident in their own skin. Do you want me to keep going? Ah, this is a great list. Go ahead. Number four, people... Do not pass judgments. They're open-minded. People who don't pass judgment are more interesting to talk to. Number five, they don't seek attention. They allow other people to participate. Number six, they're very consistent. They always win the game. They like to know who they are dealing with. Number seven, Strong, positive body language. Their gestures, their expressions, their tone of their voice, they draw people into them. Number eight, they always have a strong first impression. People will size you up to see if they like you in the first six to seven seconds. Your body language, posture are all first impressions. Number nine, you call people by their first name because people like to hear their name. Ten, they smile a lot. 11, they balance passion and fun together. People are drawn to passionate people. Two more. 12, they know who to touch and when to touch people on the shoulder. And it actually creates a very strong effect when you touch other people. It shows that you care. 13, people are invaluable and unique in what they do and the service that they contribute to others. That's my list. Wow. <laughs> That's great. So those are things that we talk about and we think about and he coaches and he's amazing. Yes, he is. He's phenomenal. And what a great way to start the day and get all worked up and ready to take on the world. Uh, that's fantastic. Vicki, let's do this. Uh, you mentioned that you also have uh, prospected for sell by owners and expires. I think you mentioned you, you listed 10 for sell by owners last year. Could you tell us what your approach is with for sell by owners? The Mike Ferry script. (laughs) (laughs) I'm seeing a pattern here. (laughs) um, The approach is to make sure, like if somebody said, you know, what's the success of getting a for sell by owner? Well, number one, you have to make the call. Number two 
is when you're talking to a for sale by owner, you always want to make sure that you never, ever make them feel wrong or question anything they're doing. You always have to make them feel right. Then you would want to ease in and give them something of value and make sure that they know to call you if they have any questions. And a lot of times they will. It's just reaching out to them or dropping off a business card or saying hello or any of those things. And if I ever really tighten this thing up like I need to, I could do a whole lot more of that. You mentioned giving something of value. What do you like to give them? Market statistics. Okay. Now, when you say that, do you mean like a CMA just on their house or more no, generic? No. Heck no. No. So I'll just give them overall market statistics. So like every week, our office, we do market stats. So I have them right here in front of me at all times. So I'm always studying the market. Super important for any real estate agent. So this just says just the stats and then it has the Elko market this year, last year, year to date, Spring Creek market this year, last year, year to date, how many active listings there are and how many are closing per month. So I give them that and they're, they like it. You know, it's, it's free information and, um, you know, it's just something of value. And do you tell them that over the phone or are you mailing that out to them, dropping it off at the door? emailing it usually or dropping at the door, but I get lazy. So I email and then I call them the next week and say, Hey, I wanted to make sure, or the next few days, I want to make sure you got the market stats. Have you had any showings, any offers on the property? Oh no, not yet. You know, we're thinking, and then sometimes they'll start asking questions about, you know, what do you charge? How does that work? What do you do? You know, and then I'll say, you know, if I can show you a way that's going to net you more money, and takes about 15 minutes of your time, would it be worth it? And they're like, well, yeah, how are you going to get me more money? Well, great. I'm so glad you're asking that question. So then I would share with them the whole marketing plan that I have and how that works because my marketing plan is different than most agents. I mean, I don't say this on the telephone. I'm just saying this for this interview in the fact that after talking to me now for the last hour, you guys know that I have systems in place for everything. And most agents don't. So when you have pre-listing packages and you have a marketing plan and you have a team, I mean, there's so many different facets of this business and everything has system and a checklist. And now when you say a system, you, you'd mean a checklist, right? Isn't that what a system is? You're following a process and a checklist is a great way to track it? Yeah. So for instance, on my um, listing presentation, so I have a form that shows everybody on my team, which is my listing manager, transaction manager, and my part-time runner. And then there's me and KP, my buyer's agent. And so I tell them on the listing presentation, once I sign the contract, I go over everybody's role and what they're going to do. And the most important thing when they hire a listing agent is they're going to get communication every time their property is shown. My assistant, Ben, is going to send out an email to the agent saying, how did the property show? What did the buyer like? What did they dislike? Are they considering an offer? And then, boom, that email goes to my client directly. They love that communication. And then I call them every Friday afternoon. They get a phone call from me when their house is listed with me. So when you have those kind of things in place and you do that consistently, what does that say to your clients? Wow. Our last agent never called us. How many listings do you have going at any given time? Anywhere from, I would say, so resale listings, anywhere from a minimum of 10 to 20 when the market starts to pick up like right now or getting super busy. 
And then um, on the new construction end, I can have another 30 at all times. Um, and that would be homes to be built, but they're in the MLS, so we pre-sell a lot of those. So usually between 40 and 55 listings at a time. So that Friday, you're making those 10 to 20 calls to your sellers. Uh, do you do the, that in the morning as well? I do that every Friday afternoon at 1. Unless I'm leaving town for the weekend, I'll do those on Thursdays at 1. You mentioned when you're talking to for sale by owners, I want to go back to that for a second. You mentioned you may be talking to them and they ask you over the phone, what is your commission rate? How do you handle that? Well, normally we get a 6% commission, but that'll be one of the first things we can discuss when I get there. Ah, so you put out a rate and then you tell them it's, you're open to talking about it to ease them into at least having an appointment with you. Well, yeah, because most of them know that there's going to be a commission charge. So as long as we don't get into the details of it on the phone and I'm going to discuss it and show them value when I get there as to why hiring me is going to net them more money and how we're going to take the stress out of all of it, honestly, every one of them that I listed last year was at a full commission. You mentioned that you also have a marketing plan, but you also mentioned it was just one page. What type of items are on your marketing plan? So the marketing plan says I'm going to prospect 40 contacts a day. Five days a week, so I go over that with them because no other agent's going to do that. And then, you know, our company does the buyer's guide and the newspaper. Our broker does all of that that different type of advertising. The 800 info home line on our yard signs, all of those things that we do to to market the property, virtual tours, all the different websites. But really, it's all about the price and the condition of the property. And you tell the seller that as well. You tell them that's the most important item and that you want to get that right. Well, yeah. So when I start my listing presentation, first I go over the market statistics. You know, what's the market doing? And before we go into the numbers, I always say, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I prepared what we call a comparative market analysis. Before we get into that, I want to share with you, you know, pricing on your house that's set, but that's set by the buyer's. They're the ones that are going to determine the pricing in the market. Does that make sense? And then I do the head nod and they head nod. Because you can tell me what you'd like to sell it for and we can just pull a number out. But the most important thing is we've got to look at these numbers right now and see what are buyers actually willing to pay for your home. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, that makes sense. So when I go into that presentation, it makes it so much easier because it's the buyers. And then before I leave that listing presentation, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I think we've just put a great price on your house. But, you know, markets do fluctuate, and the market's going to tell us exactly what we need to do next. Once we list your property, we're going to know based on how many showings we have on your home in the next seven days. If I have no showings, the market's telling us we're too high. If I have three to five showings and no offers, the market's telling us we're too high. And then we're going to have that conversation about a price reduction. Fair enough? Okay. So I set them up for a price reduction in case the market does change or fluctuate. (laughs) That's smart. If you're not doing that, that's really painful to list property. When you call for that price reduction, if you haven't set them up for it, that's not good. And then you can always put an automatic price reduction into the listing file with you as well. And I always say, typically, if we have no offers, we're 3%. If we have no showings, we're 5% too high. Ah, so you'll 
pre-sign a listing reduction or a listing adjustment at the time of the listing if you think that it's slightly high or you're not sure about the market? Yes. That's a smart move. I mentioned a couple of times that you you work with a new construction home builder. Tell us about how did you create that relationship? Uh, how did you all meet the first time? And, and then also, what do you do for the builder? Oh, that's a great question. Okay, so this particular builder, because remember, we're in a, I'm in a very, very small town. Most people can't even comprehend how small this is, but very small town. So with that being said, he's one of the largest builders in the area. So he builds, when I say that, he builds, and this isn't large for a lot of people listening that are in the big cities, but he builds about 50 homes a year, which is a lot for our market. So with that being said, he's been in the business here in the area for almost 30 years. And about uh, two and a half years ago, well, I have always, since I've started my career, I've always sold a lot of his new construction homes because he builds them in 60 days from when he breaks ground to when he, he's completely done with his certificate of occupancy. And so that's like unheard of, but he's got systems in place and crews that just go from one house to another, and he just puts out mostly spec houses. So about three years ago, I got a phone call or a text that said, hey, we'd like to meet with you, um, and we have some questions for you. And I said, and he said who he was, and I said, well, great. How can I best prepare for our meeting? <laughs> because I didn't know what for sure they wanted to talk about, but I was certainly hoping it was about listing some of their properties. So I met with them the following week, and we sat down at the table, and they told me their plan was to hire three listing agents because the agent that they had was not selling enough of their houses, and the market had changed. So because of the Mike Ferry system and studying homes and prices every day that I do, I was able to ask a lot of questions and find out what their goals were, and to share with them some of the things that we implement and services that we bring to the table that I just went over with you and how we're going to watch the numbers, the market. And I shared with him how many homes were selling and why he wasn't selling because he was building in the the wrong price point and what they needed to do to crank that up. So at that time, I think he had sold 35 houses that year and he was pretty discouraged because he had already sold 44 in the past with this agent in a boom market and it just wasn't happening. So Last year we closed 50. We could have closed 75, but they couldn't keep up with the man with their manpower that they have here. So that's about their maximum, and they're really happy with that. So it was a strategy that I just put in place, and I've sold new construction since, since the beginning of my career, and um, it has just been super fun because we have systems in place and checklists, and everybody's got a role in here on how we handle it, colors, meetings, and final walkthroughs and all of that, I delegate out to my assistant. So I have it to where everybody trusts everybody and it works really well. One of the interesting parts there, it sounded like you helped him reposition in the market because you knew what was selling and what wasn't. Yeah, I could see just by looking at all the numbers that I studied for a week before I met with him. I could see where he was going wrong, and we had an adjustment in our FHA. They had um, changed our FHA maximum from 325. They knocked us to 271. So most of those buyers that needed 3.5% now, the houses that they were selling were over that limit. And I said, you need to build to the market as to what the buyers can afford. I said, did you know that FHA decreased this much? And he said, no. And I said, well, that's one of the biggest problems. So when we sat down at the table, they told me on the listing that they were going to hire three agents. 
And um, I did the presentation the best that I could, shared with them where they needed help and understanding, and they hired me the next week with the whole project. They didn't hire any other agent. And you've maintained that relationship now for three years. Yep, and it gets better and better every year. We're just getting ready to crank out an 87-lot subdivision uh, coming up in the summer, and so I'm super excited about that. One other question I'm sure people have on the back of their minds. When you work new construction, are you getting paid similarly to what you earn in the retail side, or is it higher or lower? It's lower. So um, they had their commission discounted with the other agent, but I was actually able to negotiate a higher commission because the agent that he had it with before was her own broker, and I work under a broker, so my split isn't the same. So it's definitely less, uh, not a lot less, and in the long run, it's a whole lot more. So you're making a little bit less each transaction, but you got a consistent volume. Yes, I have a very consistent volume. So yeah, there's several hundred thousand dollars a year that I'm paid off of just having that builder. Vicki, let's talk about your team. You've mentioned the team now. You outlined that you've got five members of the team. You mentioned that the buyer agent is your sister. You've also mentioned that you have a transaction manager, a listing manager, and a part-time runner. How did you find those folks, and what do you look for when you're hiring people? Super picky. So I look for no drama. Actually, the process has been really fun in hiring those people. They were people that um, my broker knew one of the gals that worked for a, in a florist shop but had a banking background of 25 years and had retired. So she's my transaction manager, and um, I've learned that banking people, people that have a banking background, have the best work ethic that I've ever known. I've had so many different, I shouldn't say so many different. I've had assistants that have been with me for seven years, two of them for seven years. And um, it was time to let them go because their work ethic wasn't what I needed it to be um, any longer. I allowed things to happen and slip and it was more about them than about what I needed and what the client needed. So I revamped my whole entire team Um, It was a year and a half ago, and that was kind of painful because when you produce at this level to to bring everybody on within a three-month period, including my buyer's agent, it was pretty tricky, but I've learned over the years that those checklists that I have in place and just what I've learned from the Mike Ferry system and the roles and all that I have created allowed me to teach what they needed to know in a very short time and really get the ball rolling. Am I still coaching them? You bet. Every day, there's a question here, a question there. But for the most part, they're super schooled up, and they know more than most of the agents in the community. You're running a very manual system for your prospecting. Are you also running a a manual system for your transaction management, or are your staff members doing this all on a computer program? Coldwell Banker uh, franchise that I work for in our community just quit, switched over to a program called IQ and now everything is paperless and so everything transaction listing everything goes right into the IQ system so everything is but I actually have a branch office of my own team in a different location than our downtown office so we have our own space and we have our own systems inside of the company so I've created so like in our listing managers uh, space. He keeps track of all the listings. We have a listing file for every property plus a conversation piece. So every Friday, 
then my listing manager will bring me all of the files, all of the feedback are in the files of what agent feedback has. It has all of the information as to when I listed, the price, all of those things. So that's my in-office system that I've created so I can open those files and call all those people um, in an hour to an hour and a half um, every Friday and just have those conversations. Then if you go into my transaction manager's office, we have whiteboards surrounding her with all of our current escrows. Um, For new construction, we have a whiteboard. We have a whiteboard for all of our resale homes. Then we have whiteboards for our new construction listings, whiteboards for our resale listings. So everything is updated on a regular basis. Everything has a system. Everything has a system. These whiteboards, are they really large and they, they fill up a wall? Well, I have six on one wall. Um, and so six of them and they're, they're each about, oh gosh, three by three. And so they're very visual. It's something you can make a quick glance at and determine exactly where your business is at and what needs work. Yes. And then everything is also set up on a Google drive on my, um, on all of us. So we all have a Google calendar and a Google drive. So at any time, if it were Saturday and my staff doesn't work on Saturdays, if it were a Saturday and somebody did happen to reach out to me, which rarely happens, I just look on the Google Drive and it tells me where every transaction is, every listing, emails, telephone numbers, whatever I need. So everything is really systematic. Are you working on the uh, weekends? Um, if an offer comes in on a weekend, I'll always shoot that to the seller and call them. But most people are pretty good about, um, Sundays aren't a busy day, but Saturday, like I had three offers come in this past Saturday. And so I did call each of those and I was in town. So that worked out well. So I called each one of those and sent it out to them with net sheets and talked about, we got a couple of them sold on Saturday and just I sold one this morning that we were working on. And so, yeah, so I will work on weekends, but most of the time not. You mentioned you have your own office space. There's five of you. How big is that space? Um, how big is this space? If I had to guess, I'd say it's about a thousand square feet. Good. And are you meeting your clients there? I do meet my clients here. Yes. Do you do your listing appointments in your office or at the house? Most of the time at the house. Are you profitable? Very. So I just, um, got all my information over to my accountant for 2016 and it looks like my business expenses are right at 30%. Do I understand correctly then that your net profit is at 70%? Correct. That's pretty phenomenal. That's a, that's a great drop to the bottom line. I assume that has a lot to do with the way you run your business as a prospecting organization. Yes. I think that the most important thing that the Mike Ferry system has taught me is I don't spend a lot of money on advertising. So the brokerage, he does his own advertising within the company and my split is already out of my number. So in other words, you know, whatever it is, it is. So the only money that I spend on um, my business is my staff and then my postcard mail outs, my calendar mail out postage, new construction pamphlets that I make up for other agents selling my properties. Um, And basically that's it. And I assume the largest line item there is the staff, is is having these people help you out. Yep. But let's talk about that just real quickly. Uh, You said back in 2008, you only have one part-time person. You were working 12 hours a day. Now you have a staff of 
four people that are helping you move this thing along. Are you netting more money today than you were in 2008? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. In retrospect, it might have been wise to bring someone in earlier and you would maybe been profitable and continue to be profitable. Yeah. Uh, but it was a hesitation that you had. How did you get over that hump of worrying about bringing someone in? And I think you mentioned earlier you couldn't afford them. I did have a second assistant for a while, but then once the builder hired me, that was a no-brainer to bring on another full-time person and another runner. And um, hoping that I actually replaced my listing um, manager by the end of the year, and I hope that he can join the team in selling with my new construction project coming online. So I'm hoping by the end of the year that I would have enough business to support two buyers' agents. That's my goal for this year and for me to be able to do 140 transactions plus another 60 residential buyers agent transactions with KP and him. It sounded as though you're going to create the second buyer agent position to help run that new construction side. Yes, because we're hoping that um, what we're going to do this year is we're working on a project that's going to bring in move up home buyers, not just first time home buyers, which is primarily what we have now. And when you focus on a new construction project with move up buyers, you get a lot more resale buyers, which gives you a lot more sign calls. And you're working downstream, so you're helping people sell their home to buy your new construction? I will be, yes. Picking up a lot more ends. Yes. Now, do you do a lot of the move-up buyers now where you have to work out that dynamic of timing the sell of a home and the purchase of the new one? Yes, not as much as I will be doing, though. And that's really fun. I love doing that. Uh, how do you do that? Do you put contingencies on inside of both contracts to make sure they line up? Or do you roll the dice? I do most of the contingencies on the listing side, not the buying side. So in other words, if you call me to list your house because you want to buy a house from me, I'm going to list your house contingent on you negotiating a, success, a successful sale within 48 hours, but yet we'll have a couple of houses picked out, um, choices picked out. And then I'm going to be super aggressive on the listing price to sell it that week. And that's because you're in a fast market still. You said a steady market, but it's easy to sell a listing at this time. Um, fairly. I mean, if it's overpriced, it's not going anywhere. But if it's really a great price, it's out of here quick. Well, Vicki, what drives you? I, I have loved, loved, loved this business since day one. And I love that I get to help people in the community. And where else could I go to make the kind of money I make more than doctors and lawyers make? and serve at the level that I can serve at and have fun doing it. What else could I go do to make this kind of money and serve like I do? Nothing. And what it's done, it's not only affected my life, and it's not even just about making the money. It's about what I've learned along the way and how it touches the life of so many people. Why do you think you've been so successful? I work my butt off. <laughs> well, you know those um, characteristics that I read to you earlier? Mm -hmm. I've worked really hard on all of those. 
and I continue every single day. And I don't get complacent because Mike Ferry won't let me be complacent. And constantly working and reading and writing and affirming and thinking bigger and serving bigger and making the system of buying and selling easy for the client. We take the hassle out, stress out. When you set the expectation for a seller and tell them what's going to happen and you communicate with them openly and honestly and consistently, it's so much fun to do business. Where do you think you got that work ethic? I think you're either born with that or you're not. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I've always worked hard at every job I had. My first job was McDonald's. And I remember cleaning those toilets. And you know what? You have to learn what you don't want sometimes to know what you do want. (laughs) And I wasn't staying there. But I'm sure you did a good job while you were. I did. I worked my butt off at every job I ever had. Well, Vicki, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Hire a coach. It doesn't matter. Just hire a coach, a good business coach. They'll hold you accountable. They'll share with you what you need to do. And I just wish I could have had a coach from the very beginning, but I didn't even know they existed when I first got my license. Because coaching has changed my life and it's made me profitable and it's helped me to know what to say and um, to create the systems that I have to just make the business fun. Because this business, as you know, can be the most stressful business in the world. It can be. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure. Yep. Well, Vicki, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? I do. You know, I've listened to other agents for years. Um, you know, when you surround yourself with people doing more than you're doing, you always learn from them. And I know for sure I still don't have this whole thing figured out. I have a lot to learn And I'm going to continue to learn until the end. And I have no plans for retirement because this job is is so much fun um, most of the time. Not every day, but most of the time that I may slow down someday, but I can't imagine giving it up. I can't. Well, Vicki, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, I just want to say to the listeners, always believe in yourself. Never let somebody tell you that you can't do something because you can. Do what other people won't do. Be brave. Surround yourself with the very best people that you can find. And be consistent every day in lead generation. And I promise you'll have a successful business. Well, Vicki, you are so right. You believed in yourself from the beginning. You ignored the naysayers. You were brave and did what others would not do by following the prospecting path and hiring a coach. You surrounded yourself with the best people and gave us insight into hiring ex-bank employees for their work ethic. You've been consistent every day in your lead generation by making 40 calls per day. And it's paid off in a highly productive practice with a 70% profit margin. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 352 homes last year 
by focusing on exceptional customer service. Find out who she is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.